Well, this morning, our topic, how to prosper in health. Thank you, each one that is here. And thank you for supporting the meetings night by night. The ALC is getting a good workout, and that's the way it was intended, I suspect. So we're happy to be using it in a manner for which it was intended. How to prosper in health. Is there anyone here this morning who would like in the fullest sense to be in good health? Anybody? Or in the fullest sense, you'd like to be prosperous? I think each one of us fall into that category. Then today's topic is for you. Let's uh, bow our heads as we get started. Father, we do thank you that through you, you have sent us truth for today and hope for tomorrow through Jesus Christ. And it's through him that you send us your power. It's, uh, it's a big responsibility, as, as we are aware, to use the power that you send us in the way that you would, that you would like. And we ask that uh, we would always do that according to your plan, according to your will that we might glorify you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we want to explore together what the blessing of good health is all about. Let's recognize, as we have uh, before, the benefits, the blessing of the wonderful things that God gives to us. This morning we're going to consider how it is best that we take care of our bodies. Paul wrote to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We all here recognize that God made you and I, do we not? We should all agree as well that he knows exactly what it is that should keep us in good health. If he made us, he wrote the owner's manual, didn't he? So we should be able to, uh, to recognize that. God asks us to follow his guidelines for our health so that we can present our bodies to him both in gratitude and in service. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou would be prosperous and would be in good health. Right there at the top of the list, two important things, that you may prosper and be in health. God wishes these two things for us above all other things. Now those are all inclusive. You might look at those that way. But uh, these these are the top of the things on God's list. And don't you know he's most willing to help us be successful at this. Many of us, uh, sad to say, as we've been learning night by night, what do we say? We prefer to do it our own way. Okay, we prefer to do it ourselves. This is my body. I'd like to do as I please. But the Bible teaches us something different altogether. Our bodies are not our own. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have come to know that Satan's way, which is also the counterfeit way, is to do whatever feels good. Yes, do whatever brings you the most pleasure. I think you could say that the concept of self-denial has gone out the window. Would you agree? Does anybody here struggle with that concept? Self-denial? I know I do. What kind of things do you find yourself needing self-denial on? I don't hear any answers. Eating. Did I hear somebody say eating? Television? Okay. Exercise. You know, about... uh, I agree with all those. You know, I I find it quite a little challenge uh, frequently when we have fellowship luncheon. Do you all find that a a little bit of a challenge? It's easy to overdo it, isn't it? It's easy to overdo it at the the, uh, dessert bar, shall we say. A couple weeks ago, they had in the newspaper, maybe some of you read it, uh, an article about a place called Cindy's Cookie Jar. Have you heard of it? Well, it's down here by the freeway. Ladies opened a new shop called Cindy's Cookie Jar. Well, that's a temptation for me. I love cookies. I could eat cookies three meals a day. And I think that some of you probably are in the same situation. I've heard Jim uh, Wilson mention that he likes cookies real well. So it's a temptation when I drive by. Well, the other day, I went in there. You know, the girls at the office sometimes get a little cranky isn't the right word, but maybe they need to be sweetened up a little bit, okay? So I thought, well, I'll just drop in here and pick up a a dozen cookies. And uh, they were really happy to see me. I said, look here, girls, I brought you a half dozen cookies. <laughs> the Bible says that we're owned twice. First, when he created us, he owns us. And second, when Christ died on the cross, he paid for us with his own blood. What does God ask of us in return? Let's read this together. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You see, our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, and we should most definitely treat them accordingly. But remember this important concept. Maybe this is the most important concept of the whole series. For everything that God has created for us, genuine, Satan has proposed a counterfeit. God is looking out after our best health. He looks out, he gives us all these blessings. Satan concocts something that looks almost like it and then delivers it to us, trying to pass it off as a substitute. And he's been pretty good at it. This includes a plan to destroy our health. Remember, as we said the other night, someone is working against us, okay? And he's trying to slip in that counterfeit at every possible moment. You know, um, I think I could verify this with Dr. 
guest. I know Luke and Dr. Stanheiser would agree. We're facing quite a medical health slash health crisis in this country. Are you aware of that? It's a big, big, big problem. About 18 cents out of every dollar in this country we spend on health. Okay, that's a huge amount. That's almost double any other country that is next to, next to us. The closest country is Switzerland. They spend 10 cents out of every dollar in health. We're at almost 18 cents. Most of that 18 cents is spent on chronic disease. Okay, what does that mean? That means it's lifestyle. I heard somebody out here say lifestyle. In other words, these are not acute accidents necessarily. Uh, there are things that are going on right this minute as we speak, okay? And this is because we have employed this counterfeit largely. 85% of all the health dollars we spend in this country are spent on three things. Too many calories, not enough caloric burn, not enough exercise, cigarette smoking. 85% of all of our health dollars are spent on those three items. It's no wonder that we can call it a counterfeit. So we have to be careful. It's good to learn. Uh, it's good for us. Healthcare access is going to become more of a problem. Why? For a variety of reasons. It's getting more expensive, number one. Number two, the number of physicians is going down by comparison as to the number of baby boomers going up. All the new physicians, uh, Rory, you know Rory Hersher, or Rory Fletcher now, Luke's daughter, 50% of her class wants to be hospitalists. Okay, that's employed by the hospital. Heretofore, 50% wanted to be in primary care or more, depending on which school you were at. But health access, health care access is going to get more difficult. So the burden of your health falls more heavily on you. The burden of your neighbor's health may fall more heavily on you, your friends, your relatives, your family. So it's important that we understand this concept of genuine and counterfeit. You want the genuine for your life, most definitely. Here's an example. God gives us pure air to breathe. And what a blessing that is for those of us who live out here where there is actually pure air. What a blessing. It keeps us strong and vigorous. But don't you know, the devil is designed to counterfeit. One prime example being the tobacco habit. Cigarette smoking contributes to a variety of diseases, heart disease, strokes, various forms of cancer, emphysema, premature death, poor circulation, and at the very least, shortness of breath. Ladies, you all should know that it causes wrinkles. Okay, this is something that uh, we know today that smoking does not affect only your health, but also the, the health of your loved ones. We all want to have the richest blessings from God in our lives, and so we need to ask him to help us with habits of this nature if we're involved in this sort of a thing. Of course, there's other varieties of tobacco use besides just uh, smoking, and that would be chewing primarily. You know, uh, in the last year I've had, you all know what marijuana is. You all know what medical marijuana is. 
In the last year, I've had three people in my practice who are heavy marijuana smokers come down with throat cancer. Two of them tonsillar, one of them the base of their tongue. As I was riding home from work about two weeks ago, I had the news on and there's a study released about two weeks ago from UCLA showing that that people who smoke marijuana chronically have a huge increase in head and neck cancer. So yesterday, or day before yesterday, one of these folks was in. I said to him, do you have any idea how you got throat cancer? Now, this is somebody who has gotten through this about, uh, oh, within the last six months. He had surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and now he's disease-free. I said, what medicines are you on now? This is a new patient in my practice. What medicines are you on? He said, I'm not on any medicine, only medical marijuana. So I said, do you have any idea how you got throat cancer? Well, he said, I've been in the wood industry for many years. I worked in the plywood mill, and I'm pretty sure it's because of all the glue that's around plywood in the plywood mills. So I told him this little thing about UCLA's research and so forth. Absolutely refused to believe it. Okay, you talk about a counterfeit. That's one of them. So we have to ask... We have to ask God for help from this sort of a thing. Well, you know, Satan has also proposed counterfeit beverage. Alcoholic beverages are not from heaven. Some people say they were concocted in the laboratories of hell. The Bible teaches us about alcohol, and what does it tell us? It's a counterfeit drink, isn't it? Right from the first, the very first drink, alcohol affects your brain. From the very first step, it impairs your judgment. Eventually, it kills our brain cells. Now, who do you suppose it was that invented a drink that would kill brain cells? Hard to believe it. You know, there are some Christians who believe that Jesus served and drank wine. Okay? Would God produce a fermented beverage for our enjoyment that is symbolic of death? This is a drink that makes it much more difficult for the Holy Spirit to communicate with our minds. The Bible says, Solomon, who probably knew a little bit about this, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. Some translations say is raging. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Now, we don't use this word mocker very often in our language. It means what? Somebody know? It means deceiver. Okay? So I was having a conversation one day with a friend of mine about this. And he was trying to convince me that it's okay to drink wine. And I said, well, the Bible says wine is a deceiver. Now, between you and I, one of us sitting here is being deceived. Who do you think it is? Many times, sad to say, alcoholics don't even realize that there's a problem. They're deceived by their own condition. That's one of the tricks about this whole particular beverage. And I would say about sin in general. Alcohol is so deceptive but it's not only addictive, it destroys brain cells, and then it 
dramatically affects our ability to reason. We would say it affects our judgment. And as such, then we can't properly use the good judgment that the Holy Spirit sends to us and wants us to use. He encourages us to use good judgment. Two out of five people who begin drinking alcohol at some point in their life will have a serious health problem. And there's a long list of associated diseases that come along with this problem that you and I just simply would like to stay away from. Satan has invented this counterfeit drink. God gave us pure, unfermented grape juice. The devil has a substitute, just like with so many other good things that God has created. The devil has a substitute. Alcohol is a fermenting poison that destroys our body. And our best policy is to abstain, stay completely away from it. Even from the first sip, even from the first drink, your judgment begins to be impaired. Remember what Paul said in Corinthians, there is no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay? The Bible says that whatever your cravings are, now it could be alcohol, it could be tobacco. You know, we as Christians, this isn't really probably the way to say this, but you know, we find it pretty easy to, shall we say, beat up on people who might have some of these habits that we've just talked about. Have you ever noticed that? It's kind of easy to give somebody shall we say, a hard time about smoking or alcohol use. But, uh, well, we just talked about things like eating too many cookies, you know, or, I mean, that's, that's one of the easier things to talk about, okay? There's other problems that are much deeper than that that we don't like to talk about. There is no temptation which has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Everybody has these problems. God, who is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted what you are able, beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. I've had patients come in the office and tell me that they have used this text to get past certain bad habits. I wonder this morning, as we're talking about alcohol and tobacco, if there's some of you who have been, by God's grace, have overcome this habit and uh, who would like to raise your hand as as a way of encouraging the rest of us to get through this kind of a problem. Praise God, I'm I'm so happy that he still works miracles today, every day. I know that we all want to have God's richest blessings in our life, and that is why God asks us to follow his biblical health laws. Let's discover what the Bible says about our diet. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, when he created the human race, he gave these two, this couple, fuel for their bodies. God gave, can you imagine the delicious and nutritious food that was in the Garden of Eden? That might have been a temptation to eat too much of that. Can you just imagine how good the food was? You know, we see these uh, artist depictions and uh, stuff looks wonderful. But, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, that 
the very first temptation that came to Eve was one about what? Diet or food, wasn't it? Now, as we've seen this over the years develop, we see that quite often the apple gets blamed for this, don't we? Have you ever seen any other fruit besides an apple portrayed as... You know, when we went on a trip one time, I think we were down in Venezuela, and I found, or I saw, which probably you all knew ahead of time, that um, chocolate is on trees too. You suppose that might have been that, that particular fruit? I don't know. But, you know, it was God himself that instructed Adam and Eve about a good diet and about health, okay? God gave fruits and nuts and grains and vegetables. Beautiful food. Later on, he gave certain clean, clean flesh to eat. Just about the time Noah was uh, headed into the ark, God wanted to destroy the, the world by flood. God instructed Noah to take in what, kids? Seven clean and two unclean animals into the ark. It's recorded in Genesis 7. You shall take with you seven of each, each of every clean animal, a male and a female, to each of the animals that are unclean, a male and his female. The Bible says there were two types of animals, two broad categories, clean and unclean. Again, here's a little artist's depiction of that. Why did God say take seven clean animals? Well, it may have been in one sense that the other foods that God had given from the plant kingdom were all destroyed, okay? That may have been uh, part of the problem. But also, it was that uh, after, the, after the flood, they could use them to eat. God had given them permission to eat clean animals, and also they could use it for sacrifices. God put the animal, the unclean animals in the ark to be scavengers. But our bodies, friends, were never intended to take in this kind of food. Clean animals consistently bring disease and death to our bodies. God said, it shall be a perpetual state for your generations throughout all your dwellings that you either eat neither fat nor blood. Can you just hear that bacon sizzling right there? Today, science connects animal fat to a blood vessel disease. This is called, what was it? Heart disease, okay. Arterial sclerosis, okay. That is caused by high cholesterol, isn't it? Cholesterol comes strictly from animal fats. Arterial sclerosis subsequently affects all the blood vessels in your body. If you happen to have diabetes, it affects it much more quickly even. But uh, soon you have problems with blood flow to brain, heart, kidneys, and even your extremities. As for God's original diet of fruit, nuts, grains, and vegetables, science shows us that over 90% of heart disease can be prevented simply by using a vegetarian diet. Did you know that? Over 90% can be prevented by using a vegetarian diet. But don't you know, there's a little counterfeit activity going on. A diet that uh, includes unclean meats. 
Which of the animal meats are clean, which are unclean? The Bible is real clear about this. God told Moses, speak to the children of Israel, saying, these are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth, among the animals whichever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that's what you may eat. So, here's our bovine friend. Cow is clean because it has a split hoof and chews the cud. Sheep and goats are in the same category. What about our friend the camel? Ever had a camel burger? (laughs) Nevertheless, of those that chew the cud or have cloven hoof, you shall not eat of these, such as the camel, the hare, the rock, hyrax, for they chew the cud but do not have cloven foot or hooves. Excuse me. They are unclean for you. Other animals in this class would be things like rats and mice, grass cutters and squirrels. Okay? I know it's getting time for lunch, but... Okay, also the swine or the pig is unclean for you. You see, the pig is in the same category as rats, mice, and squirrels. But why does it say it's unclean? Because it has cloven hooves, does not chew the cud. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor even touch their carcasses. So God says that ham, pork, bacon, they're all unclean. So this is yet another example of Satan's counterfeit, isn't it? If these little snorkers were good for us, God would have told us about it. Okay, he would have encouraged us to eat it, but they're not. I've told some of you this, you know, over at Mercy Hospital, they used to have these little, these little things they'd push around to make breakfast, little diner cars, I forget what they call them. And one morning I was over there and just something just smelled so delicious, I could hardly believe it. So I went up and asked the lady, what's cooking there? It smells so good. Ham, baked ham. You're right. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It smelled so tasty. But remember, just because it tastes good or smells good, it's not necessarily good for you, is it? David tells us, no good thing will be held, be withheld from us that walk uprightly. God is willing to pass on anything to us that is good for our health. But God doesn't tell us to eat the pig. Are you aware that uh, the Bible tells us that those who eat pig products, pork and pig products, will be destroyed? Christ's second coming. Eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. Isaiah said that. Now, I'm sure you're wondering today if there's some support, scientific support, that uh, lends any evidence toward God's command. You know, it's, it's uh, pretty interesting that virtually everything that we have from the Bible and from the spirit of prophecy is now being backed up by scientific research. You know, it's, it's a pretty uncanny thing. Well, there is, in fact, uh, plenty of evidence Pork is loaded with saturated fat and cholesterol. In fact, scientific evidence shows that the product that is the highest in saturated fat is the pork products, okay? Any other animal meat doesn't have quite as high as the saturated fat in pork. We also know that uh, cancer in the pig's skin, the kidneys, the lymphatic system, and in other internal organisms or organs is very common. We had a teacher in medical school that would tell us that the number one problem that came from eating pork is leukemia, okay? 
Um, I've not read any studies on that, but I believe that he did, and he had some evidence of that. So we know the cancer that's found in animals uh, can cause problems with, uh, with human beings. I think Mike said last week, uh, we've seen recently pictures of people pushing animals into slaughterhouses to try to get rid of them. Some of those animals, sad to say, are not the healthiest. Third, pork products are regularly preserved with nitrates. These are known in and of themselves to produce cancer-causing compounds. Finally, pork contributes to a number of digestive and stomach problems. So these four reasons alone are a good enough reason to avoid pork products and pig products. But the single most important reason not to eat pork is because God asked us not to, okay? And that, in fact, is what's true for a huge, the, the variety of things that he asked us to do. They may make sense. Uh, Bob Falkenberg says, it's not fair for us to pass it by our judgment to decide whether it's a good thing or not, okay? We have to accept God for what he has to say about it. And if we wait and question and wait for the scientific research to come out, what kind of faith is that? We flunked out on that test, didn't we? What does God have to say about sea life? These you may eat of all those are in the water. Whatever the water in the water has fins and scales, whether in the sea or in the river, you may eat that. But in all the seas or the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. So things like what? Shrimp and lobster and crab and oysters and squid and octopus. Oh boy. These are an abomination unto you. And there is a long list of diseases associated with eating this kind of food that we all want to stay away from. What about birds or fowl? These you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, and the buzzard. Some may think, you notice God didn't, didn't use uh, chicken, quail, turkey, or not listed in that list. Some people believe that God uh, told Peter that he could eat anything. He had a, Peter had a dream about this. It's recorded in Acts 10. I think most of you remember this dream. But let's review it briefly. Peter had a vision where he dreamt about a sheet being let down from out of heaven that contained a huge number of unclean animals. Okay? There were rats and snakes and lizards and monkeys, alligators, all kinds of things. These are animals that God considered, heretofore, had considered to be unclean. Okay? At that point, when uh, Peter saw this, God, in, his, in the dream to Peter, said, Peter, get up and eat this. Enjoy it. In effect, he was saying, bon appetite. But Peter said, thanks, but no, I don't eat snakes, lizards, kangaroos, alligators, and the like. God says, don't call anything unclean, Peter, that I've called clean. Well, Peter was confused. He was left wondering about this situation. And while he was wondering about it, something happened. Something important was going on outside of his house. 
Now, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Simon, he, Simon, or Peter, said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit with him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. You see, like all good Jews at the time, Peter considered Gentiles to be unclean. He just simply would not associate with them whatsoever. God showed him by using a vision of unclean foods not to call any man unclean or impure. You can read the entire story and the interpretation of it there in Acts 10. God's lesson to Peter was this. In Christ, we are all one. In Christ, there are no ethnic barriers. We all belong to him as his children. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So the take-home lesson then is how we treat people and not how we treat pigs. Now remember from your New Testament um, studies that this was a time when the new church, the new Christian church was just beginning to spread the gospel around the world. The gospel was going to the Gentiles. And so it was a very important concept for people to understand, especially Jewish people, that in Christ we are all one. Okay? So this was an important uh, message that uh, God gave to Peter. So this morning we have learned that our bodies belong to Christ. Did you know also that our possessions belong to him? God who made the world and everything in it gives to all life, breath and all things. God who made the world gives all things. That means everything belongs to him. Who is it that gives us life, talent, possessions, strength? It's God. In fact, every single thing that we have really belongs to him. We don't own anything in and of ourselves. <clears throat> Deuteronomy says, And you will remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. The Bible says that God is the author of wealth. Everything good that I possess comes from God. And we must all remember to follow his leading when we go to work with and to use what he has given us. Okay, that's another very important concept. God says the silver and gold is mine. And so we come to understand that all the treasures of the earth belong to God. He wants us to remember that everything is his and he asks us to do something symbolically to acknowledge that. What is it? Your reply is a little subdued this morning. <laughs> Did I put you to sleep? He wants us to acknowledge him by returning a tenth, doesn't he? One tenth of what already belongs to him. So if I have ten dollars, one out of every ten belongs to him. If I have a hundred dollars, ten belong to him. If I have a thousand, then ten, excuse me, one hundred are set aside for his work. Okay, this is easy math, isn't it? Doesn't take a computer to figure this out. Doesn't take a calculator. Just so that I don't forget that God owns everything, he asked me to return 10% back to him. You can see that tithing is a symbol. Okay, it's a symbol that we believe that God is our creator and our sustainer of all things. You'll notice that in Malachi 
God asks us a question. Will a man rob God? This is God saying, are you trying to rob me? Yes, you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says to us, in tithes and in offerings. And then he continues, but bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Friends, tithe is 10% of our increase. And with this, God is testing our obedience. He's testing our trust in him. Do you want the rich blessings from heaven to be in your life? I know that you do. Then give your body entirely to him and return an offering and a tithe that is pleasing to him. He promises you such blessings that there will not be enough room to hold it. How many believe that here this morning? I know that many of you can attest to this blessing that you've had in your life. The Lord says, he promises this, honor the Lord with your possession and the first fruit, with the first fruits, all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. <clears throat> you see, in returning our tithe out of love for God, he, abu- he abundantly blesses us more than we can ever, ever think. So now we've seen that our bodies belong to him, our possessions belong to, to God. And the last couple nights we've studied about our, a little bit about our time, the time factor. Our time belongs to him as well. And how do we show God that we owe him all of our time? We've been learning that the Bible says and God created the earth in six days. This was God's work week, okay? Then God commanded us, six days shalt thou work, labor and do all thy work, and then rest on the Sabbath day. You see, God intentionally and purposefully rested, blessed, and sanctified the seventh day. So if you want God's richest blessings in your life, work hard all week, then worship on his day, the holy Sabbath day. And I know that many of you uh, understand this concept and have, uh, have had this principle at work in your life. The Bible says, not everyone who will say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I surely want to be doing God's will with my body, my possessions, and my time, both at work and at rest. How about you? I'm thankful that when we ask Jesus Christ into our lives, and I hope that each one of you have, that he changes us to be like him. You know, this doesn't happen any other way. We ask Jesus to come into our life. He helps change us, okay? It doesn't happen. We can't just follow, simply follow a list of rules, expect to come out on the other end, uh, the kind of uh, human being that he wants us to be. We have to buy into Jesus Christ, okay? In, In that sort of a sense. Every single day, we must make that choice. Listen to this promise from, first, or from John 1.12. In fact, let's read this together. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Now, what kind of power does God send to us? 
What kind of power does he send to us? Overcoming power? Any other kind of power? You know, somebody said to me this week, um, we were talking about how night, how wonderful it is to have so many people taking part and getting up and speaking at these uh, seminars over here. And somebody said, we're lucky just to, to have enough to get up there and do it. And I said, you know, that's not the way it is at all. We're sent power from on high to be able to get up and do something like this. You all know the rest of us. Do we have this within us? We don't, do we? No, we don't. Now, I'm a visual kind of a person, so when I think of God's power, I have to have a little mind illustration. And here's what I think about. You ever see one of those great big, huge jump trucks that work in these big quarries? You know what I'm talking about? They're about as big as this room right here. You have to get a ladder to crawl up to them. You've seen pictures of those? See, when I ask for power, and God thinks that it's right for me to have his power in my life, I think he tells my angel to back right up to the edge of heaven and dump that truckload right off the edge of heaven. That's the kind of power that he sends to us. He doesn't send down a little trickle. Trickle doesn't come down through the air and evaporate partway down. He sends truckloads of grace and power our way. We need to remember that. God promises us power, and I surely want to have that power in my life, and I know that you do too. Friends, I hope today that you understand our greatest source of joy comes from saying to Jesus, I give you my mind, my soul, and my body. My possessions and my time is all yours. In fact, everything I have is yours. I'm sure that we don't want anything to to come between us and our Savior. Today, as we pray, I'd like to ask you a question. Is there something that you'd like to hand over to Jesus today? We all have something we need to hand over to him. I hope that you're willing to do that. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's a poor use of your possession or your time or your talents. We all make mistakes in this regard. I think that you understand that God needs to be in complete control of your life right now. I hope you understand that. You want your life to be arranged God's way, not the counterfeit way, not the counterfeit way. As we bow our heads this morning, I'm wondering if you would like to raise your hand and say, dear God, I want you to have all of me right now. I want to be your man, your woman, your boy, your girl, right here in Sutherland today. That's your desire. Would you raise your hand? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Father, you've seen the hands of the church members at Sutherland. You know that we desire to be all yours. We want to follow your way and not any other way. We love the truth as it's presented from the Bible. Help us, Father, to be strong against all those counterfeits that are out there. There's no way that we can overcome those without your help. We know that you're willing to send us power, power from heaven to get through these problems, these challenges. We are so weak, but as we give our lives to you, Father, we're thankful that you have promised to keep sending us your strength. Thank you for blessing us so abundantly. Thank you for 
blessing us beyond what we any of us would ever think. And now, Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to invite you tonight to the meeting. Starting over is the meeting's title tonight. It starts at 7 o'clock. Speaker will be Glenda Viegas. She's uh, pleased to give this sermon tonight. I know she's looking forward to her children being there. And come out and support the meetings. I know that you will enjoy the topic as it is presented by the Holy Spirit through Glenda.